Hello and welcome to another unexciting episode of the podcast. Um, I'm not totally sure if this will be another unnamed episode or if this will be the first of the hashtag Pistons podcast. Um, we're still working on getting it all the way set up, so I just, I don't know for sure. It'll be under one of them. Um, but regardless, got a special guest on with me today, Nirowin, or however you pronounce your name. I sometimes mess it up. Um, yeah, so it's going to be a good time. we got plenty to talk about, and it's going to be good. So um, first thing, obviously, we can jump right into is the win last night against the Hawks. Um, the Pistons are now at 9-3. and They beat the Hawks. Uh, 111 to 104. It was a closer game than the final score indicated, obviously. It was tied with just a couple minutes left in the game. I think it was tied with one minute left, even. And then the Pistons hit a couple of threes, and they hit some free throws to make it a little bit wider. Um, not ideal, obviously, given that the Hawks are not very good, but they got the W. They're off to an excellent start. And, uh, yeah, so I'm going to let you take it away first here. Just what are your general thoughts on the game last night? Uh, trouble. Uh, it's concerned me throughout the entire season that the Pistons have some issues playing with the lead. Uh, generally, when you see them get a big lead, uh, they'll waffle quite a bit. Uh, often, uh, we wind up quite a bit smaller, and then they'll take off and, you know, you know, eventually close out the game. Uh, but, you know, aside from... Uh, you know, I think only one game in the season that was against the Timberwolves. The Pistons have never really been able to take a big lead and continue to balloon it. They've always had to continue working for it. Uh, you know, the other team has always managed to keep things relatively close. We saw it against the Pacers, for example. Uh, in the first game of the season, we saw it against the Hornets. And uh, it just happens more than I would like. Now, uh, last night, the issue was in part defense in the second half. Uh, the Pistons, uh, you know, the Hawks made some some adjustments after the half. And the Pistons just, you know, couldn't get back to it. Kent Bazemore just started hitting some kind of silly shots. And, you know, that's just going to happen to you sometimes. You just have to be able to deal with it. Um, but always one of my bones to pick with Stan Van Gundy is that it takes him a long time to make changes, if at all, especially on offense uh, during those slow stretches. Uh, I know it's one of the the themes I've constantly harped upon, but Tobias Harris, who had hit, <clears throat> which shot extremely well throughout the game, uh, was effectively closed out in the second half with only a couple of exceptions. Um, so basically, uh, the plays that were called just ran to Bradley and Jackson over and over again uh, until Jackson's last couple of threes. He was not shooting well. Uh, Bradley ended up with you know with a not a very good shooting night either, 6 15. Uh, meanwhile, and again, this is Van Gundy's scheme. Harris was largely ignored. Occasionally, you know, the scheme had him standing three feet behind the three point line. <laughs> I mean, it, that just happened for some reason. I don't really understand. Um, also, for whatever reason, Van Gundy kept his starters off the floor till, you know, about five minutes till the end of the game, um, which I found was kind of questionable because the bench crew wasn't really doing all that great. So, yeah, I mean, he seemed understandably upset after the game, which is definitely a good way to look at it. I mean, uh, you know, on the one hand, you get these big leads so that, you know, you, you blow them and still win the game. On the other hand, the Pistons just can't do that. They got to stop doing that. And uh, I think it largely rests upon him. Some on the players, but some on Ben Gundy to just make changes. You know, just the one example I'll go over. Um couple games ago it's blanking on me uh <clears throat> oh yeah against the kings um 
the Pistons were in a cold stretch, and he just started shoveling the ball to Harris. And suddenly Harris, I think, scored about eight points straight, and the Pistons ran away with it. But Van Gundy is prone to just continuing calling guard plays over and over and over again. Um, and he wastes his best score. So, yeah, that's what I thought about last night. Hopefully they learned from it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, one thing that I definitely agree with you on is I was a little bit confused slash concerned by how long he left the bench mob out late in the game. Um, obviously, the Pistons bench has been generally good overall this year, I think. They certainly have been bad, but, I mean, if it wasn't for the fact that Ish Smith really bailed them out last night, they were I, they were not getting a lot of offense going. They're struggling to get stops. I, Ish Smith, obviously, he scored 17 points on 10 shots, which is excellent for anybody, and particularly for Ish Smith, who's playing awesome this year, obviously. But I mean, if Ish Smith doesn't just ball out and bail them out, then the bench mob gets absolutely slaughtered. And I was a little bit confused by how long he left them in the game later. Um, obviously, I mean, we've been over this before. I don't necessarily agree with you so much on um, the freezing of Tobias Harris out of the offense, but I do think that they, they, they should have looked a little bit more to get him the ball. Um, they did have, the Hawks had, uh, what's his face, Tarian Prince guarding him a lot. He's actually pretty good. I thought they defended him pretty well. Um, and this is just in general something that I've kind of thought is that, um, so far this year, is that as good as the, this is obviously skipping ahead a little bit, we'll get to this more in depth later, but with the motion offense, I like it a lot, but there are times where I wish that they just kind of ditch it to an extent and just let their two guys, which is Reggie Jackson and Tobias Harris, just go at matchups. Like you mentioned the Kings game. Um, I said it in my recap, which is that there was a stretch where Tobias Harris was being guarded by Zach Randolph. And it's just like, <laughs> that seems like a pretty obvious mismatch to me. And it's like, why not just give Tobias Harris the ball and just say, just go score on Zach Randolph a bunch of times in a row, which as you mentioned, they did eventually. And he did really well. And I get that there's a sense of, um, Beyond just the basic fact of you want to run their offense, he's trying to really get it installed and make the team better and such. And obviously it's a little bit hard to argue with the results because they have been winning. But I do feel like they could stand to do a little bit more, just cut out all of the cheese and just, you know, in some situations just let Tobias Harris go get you some buckets. Just let Reggie Jackson go get you some buckets and such. Which last night they've done with them both at times, but I do sometimes wish that they go a little bit more with it. Um, but I think that a lot of it last night was good defense by the Hawks and also just bad offense by the Pistons in general. Um, they just, they did not have good offensive flow all of the second half. Now, something Stan Van Gundy obviously talked about a lot in the, in the post-game press conference. Um, I'm not at the point with this team where I'm going to be too concerned about any wins at this point. I've said this in my recap so far, but, um... You know, I mean, I think that this team is a good team. I think that they could compete to get home court advantage in the playoffs, if, you know, as an upper end of them. But they're not as good as their record is right now. Like, they're not going to push 60 wins. So any wins you can get, even when you play poorly, you take. Like, they're not one of those top four teams that it's like, oh, they played poorly and won, so it's actually not that good because we don't care about, you know, the total number of wins because we know that we'll be in that top four or whatever when all said and done. Um, but it wasn't a good look. Uh, the one thing you mentioned also that should be noted is that Luke, not Luke Babbitt, Kent Bazemore played like by far his best season game of the season. 
he has really been struggling this year, and he had a really good game, and that was not really anything the Pistons did wrong, I didn't think. Um, just, I mean, he's had a miserable season this year, and he kind of busted out of it, which has, you know, been a little bit of a, a theme with this Pistons team, where they've been having guys bust out of slumps against them, which, if it keeps happening much longer, it'll be harder to just say bad luck, and it might just actually be something wrong with the Pistons, but, um, yeah, so I'm, I guess I'm not quite as down about it as you, but there definitely are some concerns there. I think, I think more than anything else, they just played, it was a bad combination of an opponent who found a little bit of life in the form of Kent Bazemore, and Dennis Schroeder started to get out a little bit in the second half, and also that the Pistons were just not sharp. Um, and one thing that should be noted is the Hawks were on, I think, they were on like three days of rest, so it would make sense that they'd come out and play a good game. Yeah, they were on three days of rest, so that's the one thing that you could sort of say in the Pistons' defense. It's not a lot because the Hawks are not good. Um, just simply put, they're bad. They're going to be a bad team all year. And um, But just as a small thing, they were on three days of rest, so you'd expect them to come out pretty sharp. But it just it was not a very good team effort at all. And I do agree with you that it would have been nice if they had gone to Tobias a little bit more because I think here's kind of the problem with it, is that because they are so motion-heavy and they're really trying to stick to it, um, Tobias Harris obviously is not a point guard, so he doesn't have the ball in his hands to start a lot of those actions. So if an opposing team is playing good defense or the Pistons are just a, a step slow offensively with all of their motion and such, the ball doesn't find him as often. And then he can kind of get himself froze out of the offense like that because he isn't that primary ball handler. And, um, you know, part of that is Stan Van Gundy and part of that is the coaches. But it's sort of something that's, I guess, almost a growing pain with changing offenses. I know that Stan Van Gundy talked about it the uh, in um, uh, a press conference just a couple days ago, which is that he thinks that with this more motion-based offense, um, it's got a high, it gives this team a higher ceiling offensively. But when the team isn't sharp and playing hard, it makes them, it's got a lot lower floor. And I think that that's something that we saw with that. Um, fortunately, obviously, Tobias Harris shot lights out yet again. So he was still an efficient scorer. But um, yeah, so I'm, at the very least, they got another win. They're 9-3. and three, And uh, if they get one more tomorrow night, then they are off to a really great start. And um, yeah, so I guess before we move on, do you have anything else that you'd like to add on to the game last night? And otherwise, we'll move on to the game they play tomorrow night against the Heat. Uh, I would say that <clears throat> uh, I've been impressed that uh, that Van Gundy has gone away with what been his bread and butter for his entire career, which is a pick and roll, uh, onto a more diverse offense. Unfortunately, I think he gets stuck onto that offense a little bit too much. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, there are times when it's like, well, Stan, this allows us to play a more varied offense, but now we're doing the same thing over and over again. We're running, you know, endless sets to Avery Bradley, who's generally good, but not always. Um, and it's just guard play after guard play after guard play. And Stanley Johnson's fine with that. Um, but I, I think as far as Harris goes in the motion offense, <clears throat> like uh, I scrutinize how he's moving on the floor a lot. And it seems he's just not allowed to move very much in the offense. Um, and it kind of sucks for a guy who is fantastic off the bounce, who is very efficient, uh, as the ball handler in the pick and roll, uh, it was a pretty good isolation score. It's just, he's not really being involved in plays, but, uh, so that I saw a bit of last night in, um, uh, in the second half where they were just running the same plays over and over and over and over again. Um, and the Hawks were kind of catching on and Drummond and Bradley were constantly turning the ball over. 
Um, but <clears throat> so I, I think Stan's just got to remember that the idea here is to be flexible. And honestly, at times I'd like him to just let the players play, to not call plays. Um, I think this is a group where uh, when Johnson is healthy, you literally have four guys capable of making good passes. That is a luxury that most teams do not have. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Uh, Drummond uh, is developing into a pretty solid point center. Jackson, of course, can pass. Bradley can pass. Johnson's a good passer. Even Harris has shown that, you know, he he's a, a willing passer the at the very least. Yeah. So <clears throat> I'd like him to just let them play from time to time, especially when the Pistons are slumping, um, because I think he just he may even, you know, clench the glove a little bit tighter in those times. And I don't think it helps. Uh, beyond that, uh, <clears throat> what you mentioned earlier about Ish really need to fall out. Yeah, I'd like to see Stan get he's been more flexible with his rotations this year than he was last season. Like, no doubt about that. Um, but I'd like to see him more willing to stagger the bench at the starters. <clears throat> so that it's not always, you know, we've got four bench players out or we got five starters out, which is how it is most of the time. And, you know, um, except for like the end of the first quarter, uh, most of the time in, in the second for a long stretch, the second quarter. And as it was for a long stretch, the fourth quarter last night, uh, it's all bench guys. It's like, you know, why not put Tobias out there with Ish? Why not put Drummond out there with Ish? You know, some more <clears throat> uh, just stagger it a bit so that, you know, because the bench crew, uh, Ish is responsible for creating more offense than I would like because a lot of the time he's the only one who can. And uh, like you said, he balled out last night. He's been shooting fantastically this season, but uh, you don't want to have to rely on that. Yeah, I mean, obviously <coughs> with him. I mean, no, I actually think that he can keep up, um, maybe not as good as he has been this year, but I think he can have, by a fair margin, a career best year as far as efficiency scoring the ball. Um, just because it makes sense that he would be more efficient this year. There's a lot of spacing on that bench crew, and he's a guy, as a little point guard, who isn't going to be able to, like, physical his way to bat buckets and really struggles to score through um, contested shots of any sort. That extra spacing really helps him. Um, but, you know, you don't, even within that, he's he's never been an efficient scorer in his career, so you don't want to have to count on Ish Smith scoring 17 really efficient points to sort of bail you out. That's not a good option. Um, and, you know, on that, on the note of having a starter holdover, I'm one thing that I'm a little confused by, and like you said, he's Stan Van Gundy's been a lot more flexible um, with his rotations this year than he has been, honestly, any time he's, since he's arrived with the Pistons. Obviously, when he first got here, the team was such a mess that he tried a lot of different stuff, just kind of throwing crap at the wall and seeing what sticks. But um, he has been a lot more flexible, and I give him credit for that. Um, much like how you mentioned that, you know, you give him some credit for being willing to go away from that really pick-and-roll-heavy offense. Um, we all know that he's comfortable with finding a nine-man rotation and just going with that. And he's gone away from that so far, and I do give him some credit for that. But I'm a little confused by that. Um, he hasn't used, at least not heavily, um, Tobias Harris with the bench mob more. Because last year, that was really effective when he was coming off the bench. I don't want Tobias coming off the bench. I think he's just too good of a player to come off the bench. Uh, but I'm confused by the fact that they don't um, have him run with the bench mob more. Because it just, it makes sense. He's really good in transition. Ish Smith is thriving and trying to get in transition. And he's just, he's an awesome scorer. And uh, it sort of gives him a chance to really be the focal point of the offense. And I just think that that makes sense. And last year it worked really well to have him with that bench crew. And I'm just, 
they haven't done it a whole lot, which is a little bit confusing to me. But, um, yeah, we'll get into all of that more um, later on, though. So we'll put we'll put a pin in those thoughts for just a moment. And then um, uh, we'll look at the Pistons' next game. Tomorrow night they will be playing the Miami Heat. It'll be the last game of this homestand. They'll be trying to go get win all of the games on the homestand. And um, also just as a note for people, the game tomorrow is at 3.30 p.m., not the normal 7 p.m. start because it's on Sunday. Um, so the Pistons will be on one day of rest, of course, obviously, after beating the Hawks last night. The Heat will also be on one day of rest. They beat the, who did they beat last night? They beat Utah last night. And, uh, yeah, so what do you think about that one coming up? Uh, the Heat have been pretty quiet this year so far. Um, <clears throat> uh, honestly, there's been very little to hear about them. Um, uh, <clears throat> I think it's a matchup that sort of plays into the hands of the Pistons, uh, Right now, uh, the Heats, they just like the Pistons, they play a very guard-focused game for the most part. Uh, Dragic right now is really their number one go-to guy. Uh, he's actually doing pretty well, all told. <clears throat> and uh, But he's the kind of guy who could be contained by Avery Bradley. Uh, Deion Waiters, as usual, is hit or miss. Uh, he's, you know, he's putting up his pretty... Usual inefficient shooting, taking 15 shots a night, making about six and a half of them. Uh, you know, there are nights when he'll explode. Like last night, he played an excellent game. Uh, but he can just as well go out and just, you know, shoot them out of it. Uh, Whiteside is, of course, always, you know, he's, he's a great defensive center. We'll see how things go uh, with Drummond this year. Because Whiteside has really had his number in the past. But the, the reason I really think this matchup will play in the hands of Pistons is that the Heat are fucking sloppy, pardon the language, incredibly sloppy with the ball. Uh, right now, uh, they are a third to last in the league uh, in uh, turnovers. So they turn over the ball a very large amount. And the Pistons, as we know, are very good at forcing turnovers. Uh, you know, also near the bottom of the list of the Warriors, actually. So, I mean, it doesn't mean, every, it doesn't mean you're a bad team, but... Uh, <clears throat> but uh, that's just something that the Pistons are excellent at taking advantage of. Uh, you know, beyond that, uh, you know, the Heat's, uh, you know, really not particularly good at anything this year. Um, you know, on defense, they've done okay. On offense, just really not all that great. Uh, I just don't think they're a very good team, to be honest. So I think this should be, uh, I think this should be a pretty easy one for the Pistons if they play it right. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. Yeah. Also oh, helps that it, yeah, Josh sure. Richardson is having an absolutely and utterly terrible season. Oh yeah. He's uh, been because miserable. they depend on him for offense. Uh, you know, he plays uh, well over 30 minutes a night and, uh, you know, after being kind of their signature three point shooter, uh, last season and, uh, actually he was injured part of last season, but I mean, he was signed for his three point shooting. Uh, he's averaging about 30%. The three point one on five shots a night. That is terrible for anybody, but it's a big problem for the Heat, yeah. especially because they just don't have all that much three point shooting. It's basically him and Dragic, and that's it. Yeah, I mean, I see them. I don't think they're a bad team. I also just don't think that they're a particularly good team. I'm not totally sure. I I guess I understand why it is that um they sort of became a media darling heading into the season. A lot of people thought that they were maybe even like the third or fourth best team in the Eastern Conference. Um, I get, I guess why, because there's sort of this mystique around the Heat and Pat Riley and and uh, Eric Spolster. And obviously Eric Spolster is a really good coach. No one's arguing that. 
Um, but honestly, when I look at this team, I see them as something akin to what the Pistons were a couple of years ago when they were the eighth seed, where they've got a good point guard, they've got a good center, they're a pick-and-roll heavy team, and they're going to kind of go as those two guys go, essentially. Um, obviously, Goran Dragic is a different kind of player than Reggie Jackson is, and Hassan Whiteside is a different kind of player than Andre Drummond is. But that sort of basic um, building block that is the foundation of their team is the same sort of thing as that Pistons game a couple years ago where it's it's these two guys and everyone else, and they kind of just fill in from there. And, uh, you know, and another way to look at it would be they're not that different from just the Pistons as a team in general if the Pistons didn't have Tobias Harris and hadn't started using this really good motion offense for times. Um, they're relentless driving kickers, but they still are very pick-and-roll heavy. Like you said, they run a lot of plays through their guards. Um, Goran Dragic and Dion Waiters are having the ball most of the time. Uh, one thing, I don't know if you misspoke or if, um, or if you actually said it, but um, you said that uh, Hassan Whiteside has had Andre Drummond's number. I actually don't think that's true. I'm pretty sure... Because I've got the splits up from last year. I think Andre Drummond has actually generally gotten the better of Hassan Whiteside. Um, last year, then, when they played each other against Miami, Andre Drummond averaged 17.3 points and 17 rebounds per game. And Hassan Whiteside averaged 10 points and 9 rebounds a game. So um, I'm pretty sure that Andre's actually given him some trouble. Uh, obviously, they can switch because Hassan Whiteside's a good player. Uh, but... I think Drummond Drummond just has a way with those guys who anybody who really likes to rely on um just being able to out athlete people but isn't necessarily no Hassan Whiteside's strong but he's not necessarily a like super bulky dude. Those kind of guys Andre Drummond seems to give trouble to. Carl Anthony Towns is another good example of a guy. Now Towns is also just not strong enough to really handle Drummond. But um he seems to give trouble to those guys and I think he's done a better job of taking advantage of those sort of matchups this year than he has in the past. Um, so I like that. Really, the only thing that really worries me about this um, Heat team, at least against the Pistons, is that uh, Reggie Jackson is probably going to have to guard Deion Waiters. And like you said, Deion Waiters, he's a chucker. He's not very efficient. I think his true shooting percentage is like 51% this year, which is not good. Yeah, it's 51.6% for a true shooting percentage, which is really quite poor. Um, and also, for what it's worth, Reggie Jackson has not been, like, terrible defensively this year. He's been mostly kind of okay. And But just in general, I mean, Dion Waiters, like you said, he's also capable of getting buckets. And um, Reggie Jackson is certainly not a good defender, even at his best. Like, when he's at his absolute best, he tops out as a, like, decent defensive player. And so if Dion Waiters gets rolling, then the Pistons don't necessarily have a great option. Uh, particularly since Stanley Johnson is probably going to still be out. But beyond that, I do agree with you that I think that the Pistons match up pretty well with them. Um, Avery Bradley can stick with Goran Dragic and should be able to keep him from doing too much. And the reality is if you can keep Goran Dragic at least relatively in check, you can really hamper this Heat team because he does a ton for them. Um, but the really the best thing they've got going for them is just that they've got a ton of... They just, they're really well coached. They play their tails off pretty much every night, other than Hassan Whiteside. He sometimes has some effort issues occasionally. But for the most part, they play really hard pretty much every night. And they just sort of, they've got this relentless driving kick offense, which just requires energy and crisp play. They're not going to beat themselves, is the sort of, you know, cliche thing. 
Um, and for what it's worth, the Pistons are actually mostly that kind of a team now, too. Uh, more or less, they have had some games where that hasn't been the case, but on the whole. Uh, so, you know, if the Pistons play like crap again, they could lose, definitely, because the Heat are not a bad team. Like, the Hawks, the reality is that the Hawks were just, they're so bad that the Pistons can play like crap and still beat them, you know? And uh, the the Heat are not that team. But I don't see the Heat as a particularly threatening team overall. I figured before the season that the Pistons would be better than the Heat, and it's mostly bared out. Um, one thing for Pistons fans that is a little bit, you know, in a sort of smug way, kind of nice is that Justice Winslow is also not having a particularly good year. Um, after hearing about how much better he was than Stanley Johnson, their rookie years and how the media loved Justice Winslow, he's now playing only 24 minutes per game for them. He can't shoot. Uh, he's a good defender, but he doesn't do really anything else of note on that team. And uh, that's just just as a sort of smug thing for Pistons fans. That's kind of nice if that continues. And uh, yeah, so I mostly agree with you though that this is a this is a game that particularly being at home, um, the Pistons should win if they play well. But they're definitely not they're not going to be able to just sort of laze through it and play poorly and be able to beat them like they did the Hawks because the Heat are not a bad team. And yeah, so do you have anything else on that you'd like to add before we move on from it? Uh, I would say about uh, Drummond and Whiteside, uh, maybe I misspoke a bit. I wouldn't say that uh, that uh, Whiteside has dominated Drummond per se. I would say that particularly last season, uh, Whiteside just played better. <clears throat> um, as in, you would see Drummond with his typical defensive issues last year, whereas Whiteside seemed to be closing off his every opportunity. Okay. I'm also probably still slightly traumatized by him getting that game-winning tip uh, over yeah. Drummond's that yeah. basically ended the Pistons season. Um, yeah, that which, was rough. Uh, yeah, that sucked. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, but, yeah, I would say uh, about Justice Winslow, I think he got the memo a bit. Last year he was averaging upwards of 10 shots a game when he got injured, I believe, and he was absolutely terrible. Uh, this year he's down to about six and a half. Um, you know, sure, it's in less minutes, but he's uh, he's just chucking the ball a whole lot less, I think, trying to play to his strengths. Um, he's not shooting particularly well. I mean, he can't shoot threes. I think he's not even trying anymore. Um, he's only taking, like, only one a game. Yeah, he's only shooting about 44% of the field. So <clears throat> who knows what the future will bring. I'd say at this point, Johnson, you know, as, as long as he can continue shooting, uh, is, is a more balanced and well-rounded player. Um, you know, we'll see. They're both young, certainly coming into this season, they were both judged as disappointments. Yeah. Um, and, but, uh, uh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, I think, uh, I think it's a game the Pistons should be able to pull up, like you said, as long as they don't play terribly. Yeah. And one thing just to say before we move on to make it clear, I'm not saying that the jury is out on justice Winslow, not at all. I mean, they're still both only in their third years and whatnot. They're still both super young. So I'm not saying that all is said and done just, for now, at least, it's something to sort of keep an eye on. It's just, it's nice because so many people made such a big deal about how, how did the Pistons or several other teams not pick Justice Winslow because Justice Winslow is going to be awesome. Like, pretty much every year there's one or two players that um, isn't drafted really high and the media just sort of decides they are going to be awesome. And, you know, these are the steals of the draft. And then it kind of turns out oftentimes that it's just not necessarily true. And... Justice Winslow was kind of that a few years ago, and it's just, there's something at least a little bit satisfying about that. But, yeah, so those are the games that um, they just played and they're about to play. 
So to move on to just some sort of general stuff, um, the big thing most people will want to hear about from you is uh, is the point guard play. And, um, you know, obviously overall Reggie Jackson and Ishmith have both played pretty well, but I think a lot of people would like to hear about what you have to say about particularly Reggie Jackson's play and sort of what you think about it. And, yeah, so I'm just going to let you go on it. So I would say, uh, I mean, I don't know how many people wrote my, uh, excuse me, read uh, the article I wrote, the season preview for Reggie Jack. Uh, I did. For, yeah, I mean, they, they kind of got buried on the uh, on the main NBA subreddit, which uh, kind of sucked for those of us who put work into it. But uh, uh, what I said uh, in some was that Jackson just has to, obviously, had to play better defense and be healthy, but he's just got to play a more balanced game. Uh, a couple seasons ago, he until Tobias Harris arrived, he was the only guy make offense you know occasionally Marcus Morris would ISO or get something out of the post but that was about it <clears throat> and um, he also basically had to be on the floor as much as possible because uh, neither Steve Blake nor Brandon Jennings were going to cut it so um, yeah so I think uh, I think first off I think he's matured a good deal uh, I was I was very struck by the press conference after uh, the first game of the season after the win against the Hornets, um, when he seemed pretty eager to deflect the accolades onto uh, onto his teammates, uh, talked about just wanting to make the right play, <clears throat> uh, find the hot hands, and so I think he's, you know, I, I think he's matured as a player. I don't see as much evidence of ego. It pokes his head up every once in a while, which I think is more just him getting over eager rather than wanting to be the guy. <clears throat> but um, you know, he passes the ball a lot more. He's more willing to pass than he's ever been. Uh, he's throwing better cross-court passes, finding open, you know, open man much better than he ever has. I think he's he's looking for the pass as much as he's looking for the shot, which is what you have to do with the point guard. So that's great to see. Uh, his defense is, of course, you know, obviously leagues better than it was last season when he was injured. Uh, but I'd say I didn't watch him during his Oklahoma City days. He had the he had a reputation as a pretty bad defender in those days. <clears throat> so I would hazard a guess that he's probably playing the best defense of his career right now, at least the best defense he's played with the Pistons. Uh, if I may butt in there real quick, just because I watched a decent amount of the Thunder, um, yeah. I would definitely say that this is the best he's played consistently, at least in his career. Cause, and even like his first year and a half with the Pistons, like, just because he's long and such and he's a decent athlete, when he really locks in, he was able to play good defense for, you know, brief stretches of games just because he's long. And so when he's really locked in, he can be a pest and such with that. But um, this is certainly, like, over any significant stretch, just consistently play-by-play -play defense. This is definitely the best that he's played defensively, I would say, for sure. So, yeah, you can keep going. Yeah, I would say probably a few factors that went into it. Um... You know, they go into the defense it's playing. Uh, number one, I don't think he's as offense-focused. Um, you know, I, I don't think he's as, he's as, oh, I just want to get back on offense and score, you know, which I think was uh, was kind of how he was uh, went up to a couple seasons ago. Um, That's, you know, that just being that primary option, you know, making those shots was really what he was primarily focused on, which is a problem for any player. Um you know, I'd say is a problem for Isaiah Thomas, for example, who was arguably the worst defender in the league last mm -hmm. year. <clears throat> and, you know, you can play your heart out on offense and be amazing, but, you know, you go down to the other 50% of the game, 
and you either don't try or you just can't do it, then your value is really not as high as some might think. So <clears throat> I think he's more focused. It's just more focused on playing a balanced game overall. Uh, number two, <clears throat> pardon me, he, uh, he's carrying a lot less of the offensive load. Uh, part of it, again, is because he's passing the ball more. Uh, a couple years ago, he was number one in the league in shot attempts off the drive, which was kind of a problem for a couple of reasons. Number one, he wasn't passing. I mean, he was, he was 29th in the league amongst point guards, passing percentage off the drive. Um, but number two, you get beaten up. You're constantly driving into the lane. Uh, you know, it is tiring over, you know, over time. Uh, not everybody can be Russell Westbrook. <laughs> yeah. So, and you have other guys like James Harden. James Harden doesn't take a beating. He is shifty. He gets around you, and basically he makes you slap him on the arm and get free throws. Yeah. So, uh, also Jackson just has to carry much less of a load altogether. Uh, there are there are a bunch of other guys on the team now who can score. Uh, you get a five-man lineup, really. All of them can score. Even Stanley Johnson can pitch in. Uh, he doesn't need to run around as much. He doesn't need to work as hard. Uh, and the Pistons have a bench. I mean, in 2015, 2016, Jackson had to be on the floor yeah. as much as humanly possible. Steve Blake was Steve... a freaking disaster. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Blake was about 65 years old. Uh, Brandon Jennings was terrible. You know, he had a couple good games, but, you know, it's, it's kind of a, it's sort of heartbreaking that, that Achilles tear really took his game out of him. Yeah, for sure. And uh, <clears throat> so... Yeah, he just had to be on the floor. So, uh, you know, asthma isn't easy. Uh, you know, I, I suffer from it myself. Uh, I'm obviously not a professional athlete, but I can tell you, you know, it does it does take a bit of a bite out of your endurance, and it's not fun when, uh, you know, when you feel that inflammation coming on. But, I mean, I digress. It just – Jackson was never just as, you know, by uh, – uh, just because of that condition. Uh, he's never going to be like a 36-minute-a-night point guard. Like Westbrook, for example, 34, 36. <clears throat> Even asking him to play hard and take on is, you know, take on a huge load for 32 minutes a game. Um, you know, it, it could have just, you know, proved just be a little bit too much. So I think he just has a lot more energy to dedicate to defense. And the third factor, I think, maybe he had a bit of a chip on his shoulder. <clears throat> he was horrible on defense last year. Sure, he was injured, but <clears throat> and then sure, as a professional player. You have to not be Kevin Durant. You have to be able to ignore what the fans are saying. Um, <laughs> so Kevin Durant plays fairly well, nonetheless. So, say the least. Uh, <clears throat> so, you know, I got to think that he knew that the Pistons were getting slaughtered on, on defense whenever he was on the floor. So it's possible that he put some effort into uh, making improvements on the defensive end. But I've been impressed. He competes hard. He'll never be a good defender. But if he can be invisible on defense that means he's not screwing up means he's doing well enough and that's all the that's really all the pistons need out of him yeah he might grab an he might grab an occasional steal um but as long as he's tracking uh, as long as he's tracking his man as long as he's getting around screens which is done fairly well at uh he'll do well the one thing he needs to continue to improve on is not getting caught watching the ball of course this happens to a lot of players but uh three-point shooters get left off a little bit too often on his watch uh, left open, excuse me, a little bit too often on his watch. That's just something to improve upon. He's hardly the only offender on the team. He's not the worst offender. <clears throat> That's Harris. Uh, uh, unless we're counting Kennard. Terrible on defense. Um, so, you know, I've been impressed. Uh, the only uh, the only bones I have to pick with him 
Uh, occasionally, he can, especially in the fourth, he can get a little bit too focused on uh, making his own stuff, dribble into the lane, and lose the ball. That's, that's happened a fair number of times. Uh, or he can just start looking for his shot a little bit too much. Uh, you know, hero ball is great if it works. It's not so great if it doesn't. Yeah. Um, it's not nearly as bad as it used to be. Like, I remember early in the season, like, it's like, holy crap, Jackson is actually passing the ball off the drive in the last minute of the game. Um, you know, that was awesome to see. Uh, it, it's great that it continues. <clears throat> um, he just he just has to keep that in check. And, um, and one of his more unfortunate habits also has been going very, very early on the clock, late, you know, late in the game when the Pistons are up. Again, that's a, the easily correctable flaw. <clears throat> so I think he's been good. I think that he needs to continue to improve. He has not been shooting well. <clears throat> that needs to change. Um, I, I don't honestly don't want him taking 15 shots a night. I don't think that should really be his role. Um, he's never been a very efficient shooter. Yeah. So <clears throat> what I would ideally like to see him hover, uh, around the 12 shot, you know, 12 shots a night mark, uh, thereabouts, um, you know, there are other guys in the team who are going to be better high volume shooters. Also generally, you know, He's going to be a more efficient shooter if he's taking less shots. Uh, it means, you know, he has, he has a habit at times of forcing shots that aren't particularly good. Um, it's not as much of an issue now as it used to be. But uh, I'd like to see him remain, you know, the secondary shooter. Um, of course, I'm always going to push for Tobias to be number one. <laughs> I think he's the most talented scorer we have. <clears throat> uh, but all told, I've been, I've been really pleased with how Jackson's played. Um, okay. You know, if I, I can him, get uh, something in here real quick. So, because and there's already been people who've said it this year, uh, for the people who think that who've been saying things along the line of "Oh, Reggie Jackson's making Nero and eat his words and whatnot," I just want to remind people, in case you didn't listen. So, this past summer we recorded a podcast, and you said even in that podcast that you had problems with Reggie Jackson's game beyond just this past season where he was hurt. You had problems with his game even before that, which you talked about quite extensively. And I asked you, what sort of a player do you think Reggie Jackson could become to be the player you want him to be? I'm going to be honest. The player you described is an awful lot like what he's been so far this year. You said, I want him to shoot less. I want him to pass more, play harder on defense. Basically, what you thought was he should try less to be like Russell Westbrook and try more to be like, say, Mike Conley Jr., for instance, where you're more of a floor general you know, more of a guy who you just pass the ball, you keep the offense moving, you play decent defense, you get buckets when you have to, but for the most part, sort of be a secondary role in the offense, just sort of a basic point guard stuff. And I, like you said quite a bit, you've been mostly impressed by him. There's some things you'd like him to change a bit yet. But just for the people who maybe are thinking that or want to say that, um, this is pretty close to the player that he thought Jackson should be. So... It's not necessarily, no, Jackson's played well. I don't think anyone would deny that, but um, he's made changes to his game, and anyone is willing to see that. Um, he hasn't just come out and played the exact same game that he did before, and now he's just playing well in it. He has made real changes to the way that he has played, and those changes have mostly been at least in the direction, even if they're not as far as he would like. They're mostly in the direction that you've, said that you wanted him to take it. So I just figured that I'd throw that out there for people just as a in just as a thing. So as people know that that, you know, this isn't that that you this is the kind of player that you said 
you would like to see him play like. And so, yeah, so for what it's worth, so far it looks like you made a pretty good call on saying that that's the sort of way that he should play. So, sorry, you can keep going on whatever you're saying. Yeah, I was I was just saying that overall I've been pretty pleased with the play. Uh, my only my hope though is that uh, number one that he continues to get you know continues to become healthier, <clears throat> uh, more physically explosive, uh, and uh, and number two that you know becoming healthier uh, doesn't make him revert to uh, you know doesn't make him change his game. I mean he's playing a balanced game right now and that's great. That's what <clears throat> you said. That's what I feel uh, felt has been necessary for the team. It's a very different team than the one he took over a couple of years ago. Uh, and to be maximally useful on the floor, uh, yeah, setting up other guys as well as looking for his own shots um, is necessary. He's impressed me with his basketball IQ. Honestly, he's he's finding guys in a way that uh, I didn't really think he was necessarily able to. Well, his assist um, to turnover ratio has actually, after um, last night, it's actually crested just over three assists per turnover, which in his career he's generally hovered right about two. And, like, if you're over three, that's pretty stinking good. It's not, like, Chris Paul good, but that is really good. And that's one of the things that, I mean, there's some other things that are good, like we've talked about the defense a lot, but that, to me, is one of the big changes. It's not just that he's necessarily passing more and deferring more, which is true. It's that he's passing the ball really, really well. I mean, like, he's got 6.3 assists per game against 2.1 turnovers. That is a really good ratio on those. So yeah, you can keep going with what you're saying. Yeah, so he's uh, he's doing real well in that respect. And I mean, it's not just that he's getting assists; they're good passes. I mean, he was way too prone in the past to just driving and just you know kicking out like a four or five foot pass to a guy who didn't necessarily have the greatest shot to take. So I mean, they're good passes. So <clears throat> so yeah, I mean, I've been pleased. I think he needs to continue to uh, his health needs to continue to improve. Uh, the Pistons are really going to take the next step. I think the team, as we see it right now, if they can sustain this, can be a second-round team. Uh, the Pistons are wanting to make the conference finals, for example, which I don't think, you know, this it's not going to get too ahead of ourselves, obviously, but if Jackson can get back to full physical health and the Pistons have, you know, three legitimate scoring threats off the bounce, plus Drummond, it's, uh, plus, Drummond plus Johnson, then I think they'll be in great position. Um, so, you know, I'd give him... Uh, Give him a pretty good grade so far, and as I've said in the past, I I don't really I've never had it out for Jackson as, a, as an individual. I've just always really disliked the way he played, and uh, real happy that he's become more of a team player. Also, the ego seems to have been uh, uh, seems seems to have at the very least you know drastically has been drastically lessened. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I've I've been happy. Obviously, there's no question now about who should be starting. Um, you know, Jackson is, is the better point guard. I've always said that a healthy Jackson, even if he's a ball hog, is, is better than Ish Smith. Um, <clears throat> so uh, that being said, they, they have a fantastic tandem. Um, you know, Ish has been playing great. Uh, he has, uh, yeah, he's he's been shooting extremely well. I mean, I guess, I mean, my guess is uh, the guy worked on his shot uh, he clearly did so this season before as well. I mean, he, he shot his career best last season. He was still eight percentage points lower than uh, seven and a half percentage points below league average in true shooting. So not so great, but, uh, last season was, you know, now I've got a mid range pull up, so you can't just leave me wide open. <clears throat> um, and he sank a lot of the shots because he was left open this season. He's got, 
you know, the second highest field goal percentage on the team behind uh, behind Drummond. Uh, so he's making a lot of his shots. He can't hit threes with them still, which is unfortunate. But uh, he's been doing real well. He's been great off the drive. Um, I mean, he looks even quicker than he did last season. He's done a fantastic job of reaching the basket. Uh, <clears throat> actually, I mean, you know, for what it's worth, you know, amongst players who are taking at least three drives a game, uh, uh, excuse me, amongst guards who are taking at least three drives a game, he's fifth in field goal percentage off the drive. He's hitting 56.4% of his drives right now uh, are scoring points. Doesn't draw many fouls, but uh, if you give him a little bit of room, just he'll dart to the basket, and he's pretty darn good at finishing there. <clears throat> so, yeah, he's been great. The, the bone I've had to pick with his play has not been him personally. It's that a lot of the time he is on the floor with guys who don't move, uh, guys who, just by the nature of their game, uh, are not going to be moving without the ball very much. Tolliver doesn't move without the ball, and he can't score off the bounce anyway. Bullock does not move without the ball and can't score off the bounce. <clears throat> um, and uh, Lure has been a terrible shooter. Uh, Eric Borland isn't the greatest scorer, to say the least. And, uh, you know, Galloway's been good, but the ways he can score are limited. So uh, this is another reason I'd really like to see the bench staggered more uh, with the with the starters is, uh, you know, Ish, as we know, is a fantastic playmaker. That's where his, his chief, uh, you know, that's his number one skill. And right now he's being forced to just shoot the ball too much because... Uh, because it's just so hard to get any of these other players open. But, you know, the other team can just hang out, at the, you know, four defenders out of the three-point line. And, you know, really what can you do? Uh, or three, rather. <clears throat> so I'd like to see him get a little bit more help so that, uh, you know, his passing really start to shine through again. Because, uh, yeah, just as I said, it's it, it can the offense can bog down a bit as well. When he's been on the floor with Drummond, they've done very well together. <clears throat> and um, yeah, but you know, I just I just think they've got a fantastic point guard tandem right now. Smith is playing his usual defense as well. He's a great energy guy. Uh, the offense doesn't really skip a beat when he comes out on the floor, which is great. And, uh, and honestly, I don't remember the last time that was the case with the Pistons. Goodness, like yeah. how long ago has uh, you know how long has it been since the Pistons actually had a good point guard tandem? Yeah. Uh, over a decade. I, I mean, since Mike James, maybe. Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, oh no, actually, no. I guess Augustine and Jennings were pretty darn good for, too. But for a short like, amount of time, were, at least. <laughs> yeah, for a short amount of time, but they were also two of the worst defenders in the league. Yeah. I mean, they were good on offense, but on defense, my goodness, they were god awful. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and of course we had like a 15 game stretch with, with the two of them actually yeah. playing well. That's <laughs> uh, um, still one of my favorite stretches ever in Detroit sports. Oh, it was definitely. a lot of fun, but um, very finite. So, yeah, altogether, I've been real happy with uh, with the point guard play. Um, yeah. Um, so, one yeah. thing that I'd like to tack on with Ish Smith, so like you've talked about how he's such great energy off the bench, I do think that um, him being able to come off the bench full-time this year and when he's come off the bench, he hasn't ever been asked to play, like, way extra minutes like he often did last year, even when he was coming off the bench. Um, it's really let him focus on what he does best, which is just pushing the ball, pushing the ball, pushing the ball, and just playing fast. Because he's only playing 20 minutes a game, he can go out there and he can just play balls to the wall every single minute he's out there. And I think that that's really been, that's really helped him a lot. Um 
And just in general, I mean, like you said, they have a great point guard tandem right now. And uh, because of the fact, like you said, with Reggie Jackson, uh, with his asthma, uh, he's not a guy that you really want to have play 36 minutes a game or even 33 minutes a game, probably. And because of that, you want to have an effective backup point guard. And Ishmith certainly has been that. One thing to watch going forward is whether or not this will be uh, something he can keep up as far as how efficiently he's scoring the ball. Just because I think his true shooting percentage right now is like 55%. And last year he set a career best, as you said, at like 51 or 52% true shooting percentage, I think. Uh, 47.5. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So, and that was a career high for him. And he's like, so yeah. So last year he set a career high in true shooting percentage nearly. It wasn't quite a career high. It was close. And he's almost, he's like eight points above that right now. So I'm a little bit skeptical that he could keep that up all year. And, uh, like we mentioned earlier when we were talking about the Hawks game, it's if he starts to miss more shots, that will hurt the bench quite a bit. But I do think that because there is more spacing on the with this bench mob than there's been in the past, that helps him a lot. So I would guess that he is going to have a career year as far as efficiency goes. But it'll be interesting to see where his shooting ends up just efficiency-wise because that'll have a pretty big impact on how effective the bench ends up being. Um, I think the yeah. biggest place that I would disagree with you about Jackson this year is that I'm okay with him taking more shot attempts. Um, I 100% agree with you that I really like the way that he's playing overall. Just like, you know, even if you take away the numbers he's putting up and just go purely by the eye test, he's just really playing a great game. You know, there's no way around that. He's passing the ball well. He's seen the floor well. He's picking his spots pretty well. He's mostly taking good shots. Um, and I, I just, I think that, I wouldn't mind him being the second guy on the team in field goal attempts. Um, That's because, you know, you look at the roster. Avery Bradley's a good player. I wouldn't mind Reggie Jackson being above him in field goal attempts. But so far he's third, which is fine. He's at 13, just over 13 per game right now, which, and Tobias Harris leads the team at 16.1. So we'll see how it goes going forwards. And if it keeps working like it is now, I'm certainly not going to complain about it. But I certainly wouldn't mind him taking some more shots per game. Um, the one thing that I would like to touch on is uh, his health, which is that I'm, a lot of people who've looked into the numbers have mentioned it, um, that he isn't actually getting all the way to the hoop that often, and he's not finishing that well when he gets there. Now, he's actually never actually been that great a finisher at the hoop in his entire career, and part of that, particularly since coming to Detroit, is because, I mean, at least a small part of it is because he's playing with Andre Drummond, so he knows... If I just kind of toss it at the hoop, there's a pretty good chance that Andre will clean it up. But um, I'm not totally sure how much of that is his health and how much of that is um, is just kind of scheme and whatnot because the reality is that because they've gone away from the pick and roll and more into a sort of motion-based offense, he's just he's not driving to the hoop nearly as much. Um, you know, just the reality is that when you play the off- offense this way, he's going to be at the hoop less than in the past, but it is a little bit concerning that he's at the hoop so much less. And it's just, it's kind of an interesting thing because on one hand, it's working fine. Like right now he's got a career high true shooting percentage by a pretty decent margin. Obviously his overall game has been really good. 
And um, at least part of the idea with him pulling up for all those floaters is scheme, because that those are the shots that really help to open up the floor for lobs to Andre Drummond and whatnot. He's trying to draw the big man an extra step towards him in those cases. But it'll be interesting to see going forwards. I do think he definitely is not all the way back. Like, you can just see that. Um, when he goes all the way to the hoop, he's not playing above the rim as much as he did in the past. That's not that hard to see. All you have to do is look up, you know, whatever, a YouTube video of his highlights from a couple years ago. And you see that he's finishing above the rim a lot more then than he is now. And I'd like to see him get back to where he can start doing that again. But I'm not totally convinced that it's all just a matter of he's just not healthy enough to get to the rim all the time. Because, like, just even from last year, or, yeah, we'll just go two years ago. Two years ago, 28% of his shots came at the rim. And this year, he's all the way down to, like, 14%. Part of that is health, I think. But a lot of people would look at that and, I think, just immediately go, look at that. He's not getting to the rim at all. He's way less healthy. He's clearly not back. I do think a decent amount of it is just kind of scheme and the way that he's playing is that he's just not attacking all the way to the rim as much. Um, but it will be nice to see him hopefully start to get more shots right at the hoop uh, just because that's a good way to generate good offense. Um, but yeah, so other than Ronskin, really the only thing that I disagree with you on is that I, I wouldn't mind him taking a few more field goal attempts as he starts to as he continues to get sort of shake the rust off and whatnot going forwards. But overall, though, I have really no complaints about the way he's playing. He's really played well. Uh, like you've said, he's sometimes gotten a little bit too hero ball-y. That's not really a word, hero ball-y. He's gotten a little bit too much in love with hunting for his own shot later into games. Um, but I actually think that's also partially on um, coaching. They've really gone away... They've sometimes basically just said pretty clearly, Reggie, you're going to have the ball and just try and score at the end of games and such at times, and I don't want them to do that. Um, I think where they've been at best late in games with their offense, actually, is when they've used Tobias as a screener for Reggie Jackson. Um, I know that they did that at the end of the Knicks games for several plays in a row, and Tobias actually got the ball out of that just because I like that because it is sort of that still. You've simplified the offense so you can run the clock down run a simple play and try and get a basket, but you're doing it by taking your best two offensive players and you're just giving one of them the ball and saying, you guys are going to go do something, try and score a bucket. So I like that better. Um, you know, just like you said, I agree with you on that. I like Tobias Harris to be more involved in the offense more often than not. That's just a reality. He's a very talented scorer. Uh, and, and so I like him being a little bit more involved sometimes at the end of games than he has been all the time. But mostly I've been very pleased. And pretty clearly, he's had, this offseason, he had a come-to-Jesus moment of some sort. Because he's playing harder on defense than he really has in his entire career. And the way he's playing offense with passing a lot more and whatnot is something he hasn't done either. So, um, we'll see if he keeps it up all year. But right now, it looks like, you know, there's the potential that last season, as terrible as it was, that it's sort of because of the fact that it really exposed the flaws in his game it sort of caused him to take a really hard look in the mirror and he may well come out a better player for it after all, which obviously it sucks that you basically lit an entire season on fire to do that. But, you know, in the end, it may actually end up being okay. And the Pistons may have a better player now than they had that they originally acquired. So um, I've really been impressed with him so far. 
I do think that they will need him to continue, like you said, to get a little bit more healthy so as he can really get some of that last explosion back. Um, and they will they will need that more from him as the season goes on, I think, as like Tobias Harris's three-point shooting comes down from... It's, he's almost at 50% right now. Um, but yeah, really impressed with the point guard play this year from both of them. They've both been really excellent. Both have great assist-to-turnover ratios. They both have played pretty decently to okay on defense. Um, just really a great duo. There's a there's an effective point guard on the floor every single minute of the game for the Pistons, and that's not something that a lot of teams can say. And it's really been a strength for them in a big way. So Yeah, I would say <clears throat> as far as the shooting goes, I mean, what I'm mostly focusing on is shot selection which uh, has been an issue for him in the past, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, taking shots he probably shouldn't, as long as he is making the right play. You know, if he's got an open shot, great, take it. Yeah. You know, if they're, leaving, if they're leaving him open constantly, great, take 20 shots a game. You know, you're taking the good shots. Uh, otherwise, it's about, you know, finding the guy with the best chance to score and beating the hot hand, just like you said. Um, so I guess to clarify it, I guess what I'm trying I do when I say I wouldn't mind him taking a few more shot attempts per game, I'm not saying that I want him to like revert back to all the way back to where he's like taking all of these mid-range pull-up jumpers all the time and such. I guess basically what I'm saying is and I I've, I've kind of said this in my recaps a few different times and we talked about it earlier here already, is that I wouldn't mind them taking a few more possessions per game. And just and once again, I'd be okay with them doing the same thing with Tobias Harris, and I we'll we'll be talking about him next, so we'll touch on that then. But I wouldn't mind them taking a few more possessions per game and just letting Reggie Jackson just run a pick and roll. You know, like I'd be okay yeah. with them being a little bit more focused on him with the ball, which would then obviously result in some more shot attempts for him. Um, it just seems a little bit like, um, you know, we'll we'll put a pin in that because we'll we've got the motion offense set up for after we talk about Tobias Harris. So I'll put a pin in that thought, and we'll get back to it later. So do you have anything else to say about Reggie Jackson before we move on? Uh, I would say that uh, we saw we got a very very short look. I believe it was against the Lakers of having both Jackson and Smith on the floor together. Oh yeah, uh, that's something I would like to see more of. Um, obviously, having Avery Bradley on the floor is great. He's a fantastic defender. He's a good three point shooter. Uh, there are some situations in which having two very good playmakers on the floor at the same time uh, could be an asset. Uh, and, you know, even, you know, if a team wants to play like a 6-4, 6-5 small forward, which occasionally happens, I guess, then sure, throw Bradley on the floor too. Um, <clears throat> uh, or just have, have Jackson defend the small forward. But uh, I would like Van Gundy to experiment with it and see how it looks. Uh, because it could, you know, it could, uh, could make for some... Uh, you know, just some intriguing possibilities. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, experimentation, however, is unfortunately not really a strong suit, yeah, not, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> not, not a strong suit of Stan Van Gundy's coaching. So. All right, so next up, we're going to talk about Tobias Harris here a little bit. So, once again, I'm just going to let you go. You say what you think about his season so far. Uh, I think uh he's clearly made changes uh his three point stroke looks very different i don't think he's going to continue hitting for you know above 45% but uh he went to go uh you know very decisively uh quickly it's got a high arc on it it's a good looking stroke and <clears throat> you know uh what he's doing now like uh, his teammates and, and uh the coach said you know don't let guys leave you open three point line uh, because, you know, if they know you're just going to put the ball on the floor, then they just collapse into the paint, and then it becomes harder if you score or you have to pull up for a jump shot. It's not quite as efficient. 
<clears throat> so now he's going to shoot the ball. You actually have to cover him at the three-point line. That's great. <clears throat> Unfortunately, everything else has changed. Uh, you know, there have been some instances in which he's really been allowed to, to let loose to move off the ball. <clears throat> um, the offense has been focused around him, like particularly, for example, against the Knicks when they made that comeback that was largely on his back. Um, you know, he was hitting threes. Uh, he was he was moving around screens to get open shots. He was driving the net. <clears throat> right now, he's he's getting a lot of field goal attempts, but he has virtually zero plays called for him. Uh, unfortunately, the, the calls tend to be for Bradley, Drummond, and Jackson. Uh, and that really decreases the quality of field goal attempts that Harris is, is going to get. <clears throat> uh, you know, I'd like to see plays called for him. I'd like to see him uh, have more opportunity to curl around screens to cut to the basket, which he's fantastic at. Um, Bradley's getting most of those cuts right now, which if it works, it works. But Harris is probably a little more likely to score. Um, <clears throat> so I'd just like him to see to just see more emphasis in the offense. I think we can agree he's, he's the most gifted scorer on the team right now. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> I think he really just needs to get more focus as the primary option. There are stretches in the games, you know, in, in various games this season where he's gotten frozen out. Uh, pretty much every single dry spell the Pistons have gone through with the starters on the floor, it's been when Harris is just being completely ignored. <clears throat> uh, it's like he's the guy whose hand the ball should be in when the Pistons are struggling to score. Uh, and instead, that generally doesn't happen. <clears throat> like, um, and there are just too many plays where, you know, Harris will go up the floor. They'll do that quick switcheroo thing where Jackson throws in the ball and he gives Jackson the ball back. <clears throat> and then he does one of three things. All right. Uh, he sets a pick uh, for Jackson uh, and then pops back out uh, to the corner. Jackson passes it to Bradley, who curls around a drum screen and drives the net. Harris doesn't get the ball back, <clears throat> even though he might be open in the corner. That's a play the Pistons run away too much. Teams are going to start adapting to it. Um, or he just kind of stands idly at the three-point line. Or in some instances, he passes the ball and then literally goes and stands like three feet away from the three-point line, uh, which I really don't get. Uh, and uh, if he's not doing that, he's generally just running a, uh, a slow route through the paint and calling the ball probably is, is a means to distract the opponent. <clears throat> so he's really – there are way too many times when he's a sideshow. And I'll just say it again, that can't happen. Sure, the Pistons are winning games, but <clears throat> you want to be playing the best game you can and ignoring and, and just not including your best shooter in the offense is, is not playing the best game that you can. That is on Van Gundy. He's calling the plays. Jackson's willing to pass the ball. Everybody's willing to pass the ball. But there are times when it's, I'd say, undoubtedly that Harris is probably number four on the team, uh, starting lineup, rather, and how much he sees the ball. There are some plays... Uh, there are some instances when everybody else on the team uh, on the floor sees the ball, but him. <clears throat> um, and uh, there are way, just way too many uh, instances in which it's just Bradley Drummond to Jackson's ball, which isn't good in any event. Just have three guys passing it around. So I just like to see him more involved in the offense, and I don't for the life of me understand why he is not. He's just such a good player uh, when he's moving. <clears throat> and, um, <clears throat> you know, I'd also... Uh, you know, so yeah, I just like to see him put in the best position to succeed, which I think is going to be the best possible thing for the team. Now, he has been behaving kind of strangely at times. He hasn't been trying to beat slower guys off the bounce quite as much, like you said with Randolph. I don't know how much of that is Van Gundy. If that is Van Gundy and Van Gundy just wasn't letting him attack Randolph, then that was madness. Yeah, so, um, but the, the change in, there's been a bit of a change in Tobias in that he doesn't, uh, you know, he just doesn't, take as many opportunities to just drive toward the basket in general. Um, 
Now, I gotta think that's most likely Van Gundy. Uh, Harris is just a consummate team guy, uh, which is which is definitely one of his strengths. Uh, you know, he willingly came off the bench last season, even though he was obviously the best scorer. Uh, he said he'd do it again for the season if it was best for the team. Um, <clears throat> but I think it would behoove the team if he would, you know, demand the, demand the ball a bit more and do more stuff with it. Uh, right now, I think part of it is on Van Gundy, who should honestly be calling as many plays for Harris as he can. Um, but, uh, you know, Harris could stand to be a bit more assertive as well. So, like I said, the Pistons are winning games, but you want to be playing as, as well as you possibly can. And uh, I think, unfortunately for Van Gundy, historically, it's just been like his forwards are guys uh, who are seen but not heard. It's all about the guards and the center. And I don't think that's a good way to play. I mean, I think with Stanley Johnson, it's perfectly fine. Uh, and I, In fact, ideal. If he's just kind of there, takes shots when he needs to, he makes passes. Uh, and he's generally the fifth option. But when your power forward is your best shooter, it just can't happen. Um, I mean, we're not, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just that it, it's a change I would really like to see made, and it's the, the primary thing that bothers me when I'm watching the Pistons is just when I see Harris. It, it's like when Harris is just standing there, uh, you know, the difference between how the team performs is pretty significant versus, you know, when he's actually moving and becoming involved because he's dangerous in so many ways. So <clears throat> that's what I would like to see change, really. Um, also, I just love Tobias, not going to lie. I think he's just uh, he's just a great guy, seems all around. Um, you know, really, uh, you know, just mostly most interested in, in just seeing the team succeed, always happy to see the people around him succeed. Uh, always just happy to play the role that's that's going to give his team the best uh, the best possible chance. Also, by all accounts, just a great guy off the court. Um, you know, really a, a model citizen. So, <clears throat> but also, as I said, I think pretty indisputably the best scorer on the team. Okay. Yeah. Um. Uh. You know, there's a. I'm. We've talked about this before. Other people have talked about it before. Um. It is a little bit tough to use him at times just because of the fact that he's not a good passer. That can make it a little hard to use him because you can't really use him as a guy who's like, you can't essentially let him play point guard, you know, like you can with a lot of guys who are good scores, which makes it tough for him. Um, I do agree with you that I'd like them to put the ball in his hands a little more often than they do. Um, really run some plays for him more often and whatnot. But I, I'm mostly, I don't think that they're really blowing it. He is leading the team in scoring. He's leading the team in field goal attempts by almost two. He's got 16.1 leading the team. But second is Avery Bradley with 14.2. Uh, and, I mean, you know, once I said it earlier, I wouldn't mind with a few more plays per game and then, theoretically, a few more shot attempts per game going to both Tobias Harris and Reggie Jackson. Uh as great as the motion offense is, which it is, it is great. I really enjoy it. I love the way they're using Andre Drummond within it. I wouldn't mind them being willing to just a few more possessions per game, just say, we're going to give the ball to our guys and just let them do their thing. And I'm, the main area, and I said it earlier, but the main area is that I'd like him to be a little bit more involved uh, in sort of in the in the sort of tight moments at the end of games where they've sometimes been too willing to just let Reggie Jackson go isolation. Um, obviously, I don't know for sure how much of that is Reggie Jackson just deciding I'm going to go isolation here and how much of that is Stan Van Gundy saying we're going to let Reggie Jackson go isolation. 
But I would like to see him get a little bit more involved in those situations. Um, but as far as like the general shot distribution of the team, I think it's okay. Uh, I think that he's just because of the nature of his game, it can be a little bit tough to find to consistently find him, you know, a really steady diet of shots. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm, I guess a big thing is just in general, I'm not sure that I think he's quite as good as you do, which there's not really anything to necessarily argue about there. That's just a matter of just kind of, I think he's good and you think he's better, I think. Um, but I do agree that he's really played well. And obviously he's a great guy to have on your team, really selfless dude. Um, and that's something that everybody has known since he came into the league. He's just a, really a quality guy who everybody seems to like more or less, and he's playing really well. The big question with him this year, I think, is going to be where his three-point percentage ends up because, as you mentioned, he's definitely done something to his three-point stroke. Like, there's no denying that. He's shooting more of them than he ever has in his career, shooting them more confidently. He's shooting them all over the place. He's, he's clearly an improved shooter. There's no denying that. But, obviously, he's not going to shoot 49% from three all year, and at some point, that's going to come down. And whether that crashes down to, like, 40% or, like, 36% could be potentially a big difference for the Pistons. And uh, if he can hover in the high 30s or, like, 40, that would be an absolute boon for this Pistons offense because um, one of the biggest problems that they've had since Tobias Harris arrived is that, um, depending on how you rank them, he's either their third or second best player and he's not necessarily a good fit with the other two best players and Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond because of the fact that he hasn't been a very good three-point shooter. So he's kind of like he needs to have the ball in his hands more or less, and he's not a good passer and he's not a good shooter. So he doesn't necessarily make the guys around him that much better. And so he's not a great fit with Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond because he doesn't space the floor that well and he's not a good passer. But if he suddenly can be now a real threat as a shooter, then he can sort of be, for some possessions, that complementary player who spaces the floor and then also still be able to do all of the other good stuff that he does when he's on the floor. And, you know, that would really be huge for this team. And that's been a big part of their improvement so far this year, I think, is that you're able... Just him, Jackson, and Drummond suddenly make a ton more sense just on the floor geometrically with Tobias Harris as a three-point threat than they do with him as he has been the rest of his career, which is a guy who can shoot some threes, but he's not necessarily a very good three-point shooter. And that's been really big for him. Um, the one thing that I'm a little disappointed with him, and this isn't a big complaint, but I don't think that he's really improved on his defense from last year. Uh, I thought that up until this point, he'd sort of made steady improvements defensively since he arrived in Detroit. I'd often mention that that was one of the things that was a sign that Stan Van Gundy does have at least some ability in player development, um, and that's not something that he's necessarily shown great strides in as a coach. Um, it's looking better with some guys this year, but um, it generally hasn't necessarily been a strength of his in his career, and I thought that that was a thing that he had shown that he could do it with because Tobias Harris had become a better defender steadily in his time with the Pistons, and I don't think he's been much better this year than he was last year. Uh, which, I that's not the worst thing in the world. I don't think he's a terrible defensive player most of the time, but he's certainly not very much good. And, you know, the reality is that that's okay, just like with Reggie Jackson, um, particularly when you have guys like Avery Bradley and Stanley Johnson in your starting lineup. 
you don't necessarily need to have your other two wing players, your other wing player and your other guard be very good defensive players. But it just it's a little bit disappointing just because of the fact that he's been a guy who steadily improved his whole career in pretty much every area of his game. And it looks like he may have sort of topped out as a just kind of mediocre defender. And I was still holding out hope that he could still become a consistently above average one. Which, obviously, we're not that far into the season. He's still 25. He could well become that player still, but um, just a little bit disappointed with that. But other than that, there's really nothing you can complain about with his game. I and mean, at least just him individually. Dude is playing really, really well. Leading the team in scoring. And uh, he's done. he does pretty much everything that they want of him. And also, he's not turning the ball over at all, which has been a little bit of a problem for the Pistons. Avery Bradley and Andre Drummond have both turned the ball over more than they should. Um, particularly Avery Bradley, because centers are always going to turn the ball over a little bit more because they get the ball in really congested situations a lot more often than other guys do. Um, so it's a little bit frustrating that Avery Bradley's turned the ball over so much. So, yeah, I guess as far as the shot distribution goes, I would just assume, like, Avery Bradley, and you mentioned this too, is that Avery Bradley get a few less possessions per game and Tobias Harris and Reggie Jackson get a few more. Um, that would be good. And I also, I would really like to see Tobias Harris used with the bench group more because I just think he's a really good fit with that squad. And I think that he would make the bench a lot better. And then, and then ideally going forward, then when you've got the starters out there, you can have, you know, say Anthony Tolliver, or if you want to go smaller, you could go with, uh, Reggie Bullock or whatever. And you could put whoever, and if they can shoot, they can fill in and you can have, they can fill in in a similar way to what Tobias Harris does for a decent amount of possessions with the starters anyways, which is just sort of be that very much so complimentary player. And uh, then you can do that, and then Tobias Harris is more of a central offensive player with the uh, bench crew. But mostly I'm pretty pleased with the way he's played, and I'm pretty pleased generally with the way that he's been um, deployed as the Pistons. I don't have as much beef there as you do, but I definitely just in general like to see a few less possessions spent with Andre Drummond and Avery Bradley running dribble handoffs and a few more possessions with Andre Drummond and Reggie Jackson and Tobias Harris running dribble handoffs just because I think both Reggie Jackson and Tobias Harris are just better offensive players than Avery Bradley is by a pretty decent margin, at least with the ball in their hands. Avery Bradley's a very good off-ball player, but with the ball in their hands, I don't think there's much question. Reggie Jackson and Tobias Harris are both much better than Avery Bradley is. So I'd like to see a little bit of that transferred over to them. And we can segue right from that into just talking about the motion offense and what we kind of think about it. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a decent way to segue into that. So just sort of what do you think of the motion offense? Um, good, bad, otherwise, changes you'd like to see and whatnot. Obviously, one change would be you'd like to see Tobias Harris with the ball more. You've said that. But, you know, just yeah. what do you think about it? I will say one more, a couple more things about Harris. First, as far as his shots go, the the average is skewed up a bit by a couple of really uh, against the Knicks and the uh, Timberwolves. But he just took a ton of 24 shots to be exact, <clears throat> sank a whole lot of them. Uh, so there, are, unfortunately, my issue is that there are games when he takes very few shots. Uh, like he took 11 against Atlanta, which is not enough. <clears throat> um, he took. Uh, you know, he took only 13 against Milwaukee. He wasn't shooting all that great, but he got the chances he were getting, getting weren't all that good. Um, so that's just kind of an issue for me is that he's just sometimes not involved. Sometimes he's given a ton of shots and he generally makes good things happen. But uh, beyond that, yeah, his three-point shooting has been great. <clears throat> uh, what I think kind of gets wasted is uh, 
Now, now you can get the ball, get him the ball at the three point line. You can pump fake and then easily drive into the lane. Um, and, and that's just not happening for some reason. As far as his defense goes, I think he's been bad. Um, he's just, he leaves, he's very bad at switching and he leaves his man open. So, <clears throat> anyway, on to the motion offense. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think it's been well conceived. I like Drummond's new role. Uh, he's moved away from being the worst post player in NBA history. And, um, Maybe it's only slightly an exaggeration. <laughs> and, um, and on to, uh, you know, playing the point center role, which I think he, he does fairly well. <clears throat> uh, as you've said with Avery Bradley, you know, the, the bounce passes are getting a little bit broke. They're being defended better by other teams. <clears throat> um, they get a little bit too locked into that routine. Um, but uh, you know, I think it's I, I think it's a good offense. I like it. I think they're equipped to, to play it this year. <clears throat> I think it continues to work uh, now, even off the bench, because Eric Borland is he's capable of playing kind of the point center role as well. He really likes to pass the ball. Whereas uh, you know, so there's some continuity in the offense when he comes on versus Bluer came on. It was kind of like, well, what the hell do we do now? And often the offense would bog down. <clears throat> but um, it's like you said before, it'd be nice if, uh, you know, the motion offense is good. It's more flexible than the pick and roll, but you can go back to the pick and roll from time to time. Just be more flexible. Keep the opposition guessing. Um, and, uh, but all in all, I like it a lot better than, than, you know, the old pick and roll offense, which really doesn't work as well now as it did say, you know, a decade ago. Um, and also isn't quite as fit for a team that has a lot more firepower than it did a couple of years ago. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been a fan of the offense. I'm just not so much a fan of Van Gundy's play calling. It's, yeah, I wish he'd loosen up on just letting, letting his players do their own thing time to time. <clears throat> yeah, and that's something that and we both said it at this point. We both pretty much agree on that, that um, we'd be okay with, or even more than okay with. We just think we would both want him to, at some point this season, now, I suppose the hope would kind of be, that he's maybe over-harping it to really get everyone comfortable with the more motion-based offense and whatnot. That would sort of be the hope, I suppose. But what we would both like to see would be at least a few more possessions per game, particularly when there's a good matchup. And we both brought it up at this point, um, the matchup where Tobias Harris was being guarded by Zach Randolph. And it's like, just, you know, why, why try and get cute with it? Just let Tobias Harris score on Zach Randolph. You know, like... That's a pretty that's a pretty simple equation, and just let him do that. And I think that that would be good, and we both seem to think that. Um, I mostly have been really impressed, though, by the way the offense has been conceived, particularly considering that, as you've mentioned earlier, Stan Van Gundy has been a pick-and-roll guy his entire coaching career. Um, that's really what his staple has been, is creating teams that really run great pick-and-rolls. And he's gone away from it. And that is a credit to him that he's been willing to do it. And I've been impressed by the way that the offense has been crafted in really solid, thoughtful ways. Um, I actually, I don't know if you've gotten a chance to see it, but I actually just put up um, a piece about that that really highlighted Jackson as, or not Jackson, Drummond as the point center. And like, I did a whole, I watched a whole lot of extra stuff on it to find the right plays to GIF. And it's really been, it's really good. They got a lot of really good counters. Um, the main question is how much of those 
are preconceived counters to run. So, like, I'm the most basic one would be, so most of the time, Avery Bradley will come up around the arc or beyond the arc. Drummond will give him the dribble handoff, and then he'll either pull up for a jumper or he'll drive to the hoop, depending on where the defenders are. And then sometimes they'll set it up the exact same, and then instead of cutting all the way up to the arc, he'll then make a backdoor cut and oftentimes get free. And the big question is how much of that is spontaneous and how much of that is um, is uh, is the just the play call, that before they even get up there, they know Avery Bradley is going to actually cut backdoor. Because if it's spontaneous, then it's really impressive, and it's something that the Pistons can really use in a big way going forwards. But if it's actually just, no, they're, they've called the play that they're going to go for a backdoor cut this time, then as the season goes on, and then particularly against more locked-in defenses uh, towards the end of games, and then obviously in the playoffs, and that will be harder to make work consistently just because, you know, it's harder to do that. But I think the more comfortable they get with it, the better it will get. Um, but we both agree on that. We'd be, we want there to be a little bit more times where that's not really good English. But whatever, just be more possessions where he just, Stan Van Gundy just lets the guys play a little bit more and just lets his guys who are good players, good creators, just go and make good basketball plays. And I think that we're, I would say most people probably agree with that. And we'll see how much that goes with going forwards. If um, if it is actually that he's really harping on them running the motion offense most of the time right now, specifically because he's really trying hard to... Uh, to get it, you know, going and get everybody comfortable in it. And for what it's worth, I guess this is also a testament to that, you know, just good coaching, which is that despite the fact that it is pretty new, they do run it pretty well. Like, they look comfortable with it. It doesn't look like this is a pretty new thing that they're running for the first time. It looks like they're fairly used to it. And that is a credit to the coaching staff. That's also a credit to the basketball IQ of the of the players involved. Um, and, yeah, I've mostly been impressed with it. And I'm particular, I'm the bit, a big thing is that being able to find a way on offense for Andre Drummond to be involved in a way that isn't just setting possessions on fire is really big. And I've mentioned this a few times before, but like any, any team, when you've got a big man who goes around, he rebounds and he sets screens all the time. Like that's what he does. Any teams talks about how you want to find that guy ways to be involved in the offense and have the ball in his hands occasionally. Like that's something literally any team talks about. And the way that they had done it was they're like, well, I guess we're just going to toss it to him in the post. And it's like, you know, I'm like you said, it's not really even an overstatement to say that he's one of the worst post-up players in NBA history. And, you know, that's just, that's not good. And so they've been able to find a way, even if as the season goes on, if teams get more used to it, it let, it loses some of its effectiveness with him being that sort of point center role. At the very least, it's not an ineffective thing. And it's a way to get Andre Drummond more involved in the offense and so as he can really feel like he's a part of it, get the ball in his hands. And it's actually, the fact that it actually works pretty well is almost a bonus on top of it in a way. And I'm really excited to see if that's something that holds because Andre Drummond as an effective passer is something that I've been thinking was going to happen the last two years and then it just didn't really materialize. And so, because of that, I'm really excited about the fact that it's starting to happen now. Um, so, yeah, I and mean, that's really all I've got with the motion offense. Do you have anything else that you want to say about it? Uh, no, not really. Okay. Um, I mean, I think thing, it's working well. I just, I hope, uh, I hope 
Stan continues to refine it rather than, uh, uh, you know, because at times he's had just sort of a brute force approach. <clears throat> like, this is how we're going to do things. Uh, I hope he continues to refine it and, uh, you know, and to improve it. You yeah. know, that's, that's, that's my primary hope to apply it where it's most appropriate. Yeah. Um, we didn't actually have this written down, but one thing, just because I was talking about Andre, um, what do you think about, like, his free throws? You know, just what do you think about that? He's shooting now. What's he at? He's shooting... 63 right now, I yep. believe. He's up to 64% on the season after last night. Obviously, it was a big bounce-back night last night after he went 0-7 for 7 the previous game. He bounced back, went 4-6 of 6 last night, including a pair right at the end of the game that were really important. Um, just what do you think about his free-throw shooting? Uh, well, he's done what I've been screaming for for several seasons, just change his form. I mean, his, his form was god-awfully ugly. <clears throat> I mean, there was no spin on the ball. You're not going to make shots like that. So... Uh, they finally went back to drawing for it. I don't know if there was an unwillingness to do so on his part. He was too busy on Instagram uh, or something. I don't know. <clears throat> but uh, about time. I mean, it, it's a viable it's a viable stroke now. Um, the, the biggest struggle, you know, Andres, in so many things, uh, Drummond's, uh, Drummond is playing a, an Andre versus Andre game, his biggest enemy is himself, whether it be in his... his uh, his occasional lapses of effort um, or at the free throw line, it'll be when he psychs himself out. Uh, he has a lot of strength, but he is at this point in his career continues to be mentally weak. <clears throat> um, he's still, he can still at times in games, see things go poorly. His shoulders slump, his head goes down and then his effort level plunges. Um, so I think he can, you know, I think he remained a good free throw shooter. He just needs to work on being mentally resilient, getting the misses, uh, but it's an enormous boon to the team if he can shoot even 60%. That's massive. That <clears throat> um, makes him an entirely different player. And nobody has hacked him a single time this year, which really speaks volumes as to how much he's improved. So <clears throat> hopefully that continues. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's been much improved overall. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. So the last thing we've got down here is just sort of generally um, the defensive play some scheme things. Um, the main difference scheme-wise that I've seen at least so far this year is probably um, they've had Andre Drummond go out and trap ball handlers a lot more often than in the past. Supposedly they've been trying to get him to do that more, but he's kind of been resistant to it. Um, he seems to be doing that with absolute regularity pretty much now against any guard who can shoot much. Um, and other than that, it's mostly the same sort of thing. Um, a lot of the advanced stats say good things about their defense so far. They're forcing the right kind of shots. They're not giving up a lot of threes. They're giving up mostly shots in the mid-range. Um, but, you know, it's still pretty early, So, and they certainly haven't reinvented the wheel or anything like that. So what do you think of their general defensive play? What's working? What's not working? <clears throat> Seems to be looking good. Uh, they're forcing defend, You know, they're forcing the opposition at relatively difficult shots. Um, I mean, it definitely helps that the starting lineup is just much better defensively than it uh, has been at any point in the memorable past. Well, not memorable, but for a very long time. <clears throat> um, you've got two top flight defenders on the floor in, uh, in Bradley and Johnson, and wing defense is so vital in the NBA. Um, uh, so that's that's been huge. <clears throat> uh, Bradley, of course, is just fantastic. He puts KCP to shame. 
I mean, KCP was, was a very good off-ball defender. On ball, he's nowhere near as good as Bradley. Um, I've honestly kind of forgotten that KCP was ever on the team because Bradley just does everything better. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and Johnson has been great. There are very few guys. I mean, he's starting to get praise, uh, you know, elsewhere in the league. I, you know, I often, when I can, I'll watch, uh, I'll watch the, uh, the other team's feed. Um, <clears throat> because, uh, you know, I just like to get, you know, hear what they have to say about things. Yeah. And, you know, he's starting to get praise around the league for his defense. <clears throat> he's, uh, you know, the guy's just big. Um, he's got good basketball IQ. And, you know, it's a virtue to have a guy who's 6'7". He can't back him down. Uh, up against the Bucks. one of the reasons that Pistons were able to hold uh, uh, Giannis to only, only 29 points on less than 50% shooting, which is a successful night by anybody's definition against him, <clears throat> Um was that he wasn't very able to get in the paint. He can't, it's, there are very few players in this league who are going to be able to back Stanley down. Um, so he's been great. Jackson being okay has been nice, and Drummond being average has also been very nice. He hasn't, I mean, a lot of people like to point to TPA, DBPM, and whatnot. They don't find those reliable stats for Drummond. They've always yeah. inflated his, uh, his, uh, his performance on defense. He hasn't been great by any means. Um, he still struggles to, uh, to defend, uh, opposing centers under the basket. Uh, but he's been tremendously better than he was last year. You know, I'd say at this point, he's, you know, roughly an average defender all told, like you said, he's been coming outside the paint, though he's still occasionally a little bit uh, hesitant to do so. <clears throat> um, so they just have a better defensive lineup altogether. Um, so, <coughs> Also, you know, I, I think the the fact, uh, you know, it was alluded to by players last year that, you know, everybody's involved. Everybody's involved on offense. People are going to play better on defense. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Avery Bradley's just a font of energy, though. Um, that's going to help. Just much better lineup. <clears throat> Harris, of course, has not been so good. Um, hopefully that'll change. But, uh, yeah, I've, I've been largely happy with defensively. Occasionally they drop back into um, – into some bad habits, like occasionally the double teams, which never seem to turn out right. Yeah. Um, and always give up an open shot. Um, but yeah, all, all told, I've been pretty satisfied. Drummond, of course, is the one uh, who needs to continue to improve. Um, he's looked fairly good at rim defense at times. Uh, and for the most part, has been able to keep his fouls in check. But um yeah, I, don't, I just don't really have too much to say about the defense. It's it's just been largely pretty good. Yeah. Well, I I agree with you um, with the main point, which is that just it's a better defensive team and that there's more good defenders getting minutes. I mean, Avery Bradley is an upgrade on Contavious Caldwell-Pope, particularly last year's version of KCP. Um, I thought he wasn't as good last year as he had been the previous year. Uh, and there are other people who've said that, so I'm not necessarily totally crazy. And, you know, it wasn't just me who thought that, I guess. And so Bradley's been definitely an improvement on that. And then, I mean, going from Marcus Morris wasn't a bad defender or isn't a bad defender, but he is he's nowhere near what Stanley Johnson has been defensively this year. And, you know, even with everything else aside, just taking two guy, two of your starting lineup, two of your starters and replacing them with better defensive players is going to be end up with a better defensive team. Then throw in the fact that Reggie Jackson is playing better defensively than he ever has in his career. Andre Drummond's gotten better. 
Like you said, there's still plenty of places he can improve, but he's made a real step in the right direction, I'd say, for sure. I think pretty much anybody would say that at this point. I know Zach Lowe even mentioned it in his um, things he liked and didn't like this past week, that uh, he's starting to do a little bit of a better job diagnosing plays from the center spot. And so he's still got plenty of place, um, plenty of improvements to do. I pretty much have given up hope that he's going to be a really like super elite rim protector. I think he just lacks the sort of timing and quick thinkingness that's really required to be that sort of a defender. But he's still a phenomenal athlete. He cleans the glass like no one else. He gets lots of steals. So he doesn't necessarily need to be some super awesome rim protector to be a really good defender. He can be just kind of a pretty good one and still be a really good defender with how many steals he gets and the way he cleans the glass. Um, he still has to make steps to get there, but I think the main problem I've seen with him defensively is that when he switches out onto the perimeter, he's been slow getting back, I think, which is a little bit confounding. Like he just, he doesn't seem to have a whole lot of urgency to get back to his man sometimes which is frustrating because it's like, why are you not just hustling back to your guy? Because we all know that he's very capable of going out and switching out onto smaller guys on the perimeter. He's very quick. He's got great hands. He can do that. Um, he just needs to speed up how fast he rotates back. And, you know, mostly, though, I think he's done pretty well defensively. And it's just a better defensive team. And then off the bench, I mean, Anthony Tolliver's been really good defensively. Langston Galloway's decent defensively. Uh, and, uh, you know... Aaron Baines, missing him as the backup center hurts a bit defensively, but I think just in general, they're playing a lot more good defensive players, and that wasn't the case last year. That was actually a complaint I had with the build of the roster last year, which was you look at the team and the way the minutes are divided, and there's like two guys that are plus defenders on the whole rotation, really, and uh, that's not the case now. There's like, there's four or five guys in the rotation that are legitimately plus defenders, and I think that's helped a lot. And, you know, we'll see exactly how things shake out. And uh, right now, though, they're forcing the right kind of shots. A lot of the advanced numbers, a lot of the tracking data has showed that. Um, power forwards who can really score are going to be an Achilles heel for this team. I think basically any forward that's tall enough that they can just shoot over Stanley Johnson is going to be an Achilles heel for this team, much in the same way that um, in the past couple of years, any guard or wing player who's big enough to just be too big for KCP to handle has been a bit of an Achilles heel. Uh, and that's not going to go away. The Pistons just, I mean, Anthony Tolliver's done well in those situations, but it's not fair to expect him to really shut down guys like, you know, even though he did it to Chris Stapps the other earlier in the season, that's probably not going to happen most of the time. Or a guy like Anthony Davis, for instance, you know, it's just, it's not going to happen most of the time, but. I've been pretty impressed with their defensive play, and that's it's really it's a good testament to the fact that the coaching staff has done a good job. Everyone seems to be just much crisper overall as a team. Everyone seems to have a better idea of what they're supposed to be doing and when they're supposed to do it, and everyone's playing with great effort. And obviously, particularly in the regular season, just playing with effort takes you a long ways defensively. And that's a credit to the players on the team. That's a credit to Stan Van Gundy and the coaching staff that everybody's really playing well. And, you know, even for the guys that are not necessarily really good defenders, like Reggie Jackson, Tobias Harris, and to an extent even Andre Drummond, with that starting lineup, they are all long guys. They're all long. They've got good hands. And that's resulted in lots of turnovers. 
that they've generated, and that's been a strength of the team. So that's been really good for them. So, yeah, I'm mostly pretty impressed with the defense. I'm just generally impressed with the team. Um, yeah, so that's all the topics that we have written down. So do you have anything else you want to touch on before we wrap it up? We're at, like, an hour and a half of recording right now, so that's plenty of time. But if you got anything else uh, to tack on, go right ahead. Yeah, I would say what I perceive to be, uh, you know, the continuing issues <clears throat> for the team. Um, and the largest one I would point to uh, would be the bench. Uh, the bench has played very well at times, um, <clears throat> but there are still some flaws. I mentioned how Ish has been dependent upon a little bit too much uh, to create an offensive bench. Um, you know, more elementary stuff. You got a couple guys, Bullock and Tolliver, who need to start hitting their shots. I mean, just plain yeah, and simple. Definitely. I knew Reggie Bullock is going to start slow. He always starts slow. Uh, I think Van Gundy recognizes that. Still getting him time. Still letting him shoot. Uh, he started terribly slow two seasons ago. Uh, he never really got the chance to get into a rhythm last season. But, I mean, if he can make his shots, he's awesome. Uh, you know, he's, he's a great cutter. He's a good three-point shooter. And he's a, he's a good enough defender to play in the starting lineup. Um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, but both he and Tolliver have struggled a lot uh, in shooting. And uh, the bench is going to take a bit of a dive if they can't uh, get it together because Langston Galloway is not going to continue shooting the lights out. I mean, he's been absolutely ridiculous on the floor. No player can sustain that. Um, you know, unless your name is Steph Curry, and sadly. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, Langston Galloway court. is not Stephen Curry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <clears throat> but, I mean, Galloway right now is shooting, um, you know, 55% field and uh, 47% three, and that's just not it's not going to continue. Um, <clears throat> uh, you know, he's been, he's been a good piece, without a doubt. You know, good signing. But, um, yeah, so those guys need to start making their shots. We have a situation at center. Uh, I know you like John Bluer. I like John Bluer last season. Uh, the fact is that, I, my opinion, rather, uh, I don't think he's ever going to be a, a even a, an adequate rim protector. I mean, it's great that Van Gundy is trying, but Bluer, <clears throat> basically, if you... Uh, are as undersized, especially as far as its weight. He is not a strong player, um, physically speaking. Uh, and, uh, yeah, if you're going to be that undersized and uh, if you're going to be lacking athleticism, agree that he lacks it, uh, not an athletic player by any means, relatively speaking, again, uh, you have to be able to compensate with, with very good defensive IQ, and he doesn't have that. He just, he, he just follows people again and again. Uh, there just is a huge subset of players, like anybody who can, uh, who can drive the net. Uh, you saw what happened against Julius Randle. That was ugly. <clears throat> yeah, um, that was bad. <laughs> yeah, he's just not a good rim protector. And it's one thing if you're like a if you're a substandard rim protector, but you can really stress the floor on offense. But Lure is afraid to shoot threes. He will not shoot threes. <clears throat> he constantly gives them up. And even from two-point range, he's not good. So at, the, at this point, I mean, there is no compelling reason to have him on the floor. Um, <clears throat> last season, it was acceptable that he should shoot threes because he was an excellent shooter mid-range. You could always rely on him to put up points if you got the ball, and sure, fine. You know, as long as you're scoring at an elite level mid-range, that's fine. <clears throat> um, but if you're only scoring from mid-range, then your use as a stretch five is very limited. Uh, you know, as a power forward, you know, your team can live with that. But if you suck at defending the rim and you can't shoot threes... <clears throat> then there are big problems. Now, if you suck at defending the rim and you can't shoot anywhere, which has been the case so far this season, <clears throat> then uh, shit. Now we're now really missing Baines, uh, who's been excellent for the Celtics. 
<clears throat> and um, uh, yeah, so uh, just in general, the backup center spot, Borland's been good. And, you know, it was interesting. We saw Boban against a slower defender uh, in, uh, or just a slower player in Jefferson. It's great. Um, but just the backup center slot is not a good place right now. Um, Boban has barely been used at all. <clears throat> Makes sense in a way. There are some times when I would prefer to see him more. <clears throat> but right now we've got 17.5 million tied up in two players yeah. who are just not very good. <clears throat> Boban, I think you can look back and say was a mistake. Uh, Van Gundy was maybe looking a little bit too much to the uh, to the traditional bigs he's always loved. <clears throat> and, um, yeah, that's just a lot of salary, uh, especially if Ellenson gets better, then Bluer becomes obsolete. Ellenson is still incredibly raw, but, uh, you know, the, the idea is that he uh, gets better. And if, if Bluer isn't shooting threes by then, then, you know, then that's it's almost $11 million dollars. That is just tied up in a guy if there's some space for. Do you think that they should try and trade Lure? I don't know who would take him, to be honest. Uh, if they could, I mean, if they could, uh, if they could dump him for some sort of viable backup center, uh, I would say pull the trigger. But at this point, he's paid 10 million a year. Uh, he's, you'd have to offload him either with another asset or to a really shitty general manager. And sadly, Hennigan is no longer in the league. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Van Gundy's favorite person to absolutely screw over in trades is not here anymore. So, <clears throat> uh, so I don't really know what they could do with him. I mean, the fact is that if you're going to be playing him at the five, he has to be able to shoot three, in my opinion, um, because you know it's just his cost on defense has to be outweighed absolutely on offense, <clears throat> and that's just not happening. And the team has been better with him out of the lineup, so. I mean, against Golden State, he played, like, I think six or eight minutes. Drummond had to play the entire second half because Lou was just getting slaughtered. <clears throat> um, so those are the issues I see with the bench, which I think is it's a way better bench than we've ever than we've had this, in the Van Gundy era, obviously. But we still got problems. And who knows if those will be rectified, you know, at a, a trade deadline, I hope. Because... Uh, yeah, it's a problem. It's less of a be less of a problem in the playoffs when the line, the lineups are short, but it yeah. it will remain a problem. Yeah, and you know the reason why it particularly <coughs> hurts that the backup center spot is such a problem is because, like you said, they've got so much money tied up into it. I mean, there's something kind of funny about the idea that, and I don't know if this will actually happen or if it would even be right to happen, but it's like let's just say Eric Moreland actually he keeps playing pretty well. And Stan Van Gundy ends up just going with him as the backup center the rest of the year. And then you've got literally like about $17 million a year worth of center sitting on the bench, never playing, getting beaten out by a guy they pulled off the scrap heap. This, you know, from their summer league team, which <laughs> that would be not good. And that makes it hurt less. Like if Lure and Bobom were making like a few million less per year each. So instead of being 17 million tied up between two of the, the two of them, it was like, 12 million between the two of them, then it wouldn't hurt quite so much. But the fact that there's so much money being paid to those two guys and the idea that we could, well, no, obviously lure has been hurt, but like there's a decent chance. I wouldn't honestly be shocked if Stan Van Gundy decided, you know what? I'm just going to stick with Moreland for now. And if they did that, that would be, it just, that's not good. Just in general for your team, you know, it's not a good look. It's not a good way to, it's just not good. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm, that's as simple as it is. You don't want to have a situation where you have guys getting paid that much money and just not playing. And yeah. obviously it's a tough situation because the Pistons are capped out, so they don't necessarily have an easy way to improve the situation. So it may well end up being that it's like, well, John Lewis not that good and he's paid too much, but we don't have a better option to replace him. But And I also, I don't mind Lure as much as a lot of people. I think he does a lot of good stuff still. He can really pass. I think he'll get better scoring from inside the arc. He's been a better scorer than that inside the arc pretty much his whole career than he has been so far this year. Um, he's a smart backdoor cutter. I don't think he's terrible defensively. I think he's not that good, but I don't think he's terrible. And also, I think he's a really good fit with Ishmith because he really likes to run the floor. But, I mean, that is a problem. But when I look at the roster, though, I, in somewhat good news, backup center is really the only place that I think it looks like it's really a serious problem, I guess you could say. Um, and obviously, backup point guard. The point guard rotation is great. The shooting guard rotation is very good. Um, small forward, we'll see how long it takes Reggie Bullock to figure his shot out and whether or not Stanley Johnson continues to shoot decently. But that should be okay, and also you can throw Tobias Harrison at small forward if you have to. Um, power forward rotation is excellent, obviously. Tobias Harris is really good, and um, even without shooting the ball well, um, Anthony Tolliver's been great off the bench. And I have pretty much absolute confidence that he'll figure his shot out. Dude has been so almost comically consistent year by year with his three-point shot since he started taking very many of them. Like, I'm in his career the past... Um, here, I will bring it up. The past, like, five years, he shot um, 41%, 36%, 36%, 36%, over the last four years from three. So I pretty much have absolute confidence he'll figure it out. And, you know, once he does that, then he's an awesome bench player, too. So really the only place that there's a problem is at backup center. And the reality is the team's best player plays center, and Andre Drummond is playing a lot more minutes. So you don't necessarily need to get a ton of minutes from that spot. So, you know, in a way, it's kind of a, it's not the worst thing in the world that that's the biggest problem you have when you look at the team, because everything else looks pretty solid right now. And it's, you know, here's the thing that's really good is that it just looks like they give a crap and they're just, they look, they're worth watching right now. And in the end, that's the main thing that I look for out of a basketball team is, are you worth watching? And I'd say they definitely have been so far. So yeah. Any closing things you want to say? Uh, well, I'd say the final thing that uh, I see wrong with bench is, as I said, just generation of offense. Um, guys who can score off the bounce. But if Tolliver and Bullock begin hitting their threes, then that problem should go away. Yeah. And um, the, hypothetically, as because Tobi Tobias Harris is a big one, and you also mentioned Langston Galloway, is two guys who their three-point shots will decline as the season continues. In theory, Anthony Tolliver and Reggie Bullock, and also I don't know how often he'll be in the rotation once Stanley Johnson comes back, but also potentially Luke Kennard are guys who their three-point shots will improve as the season goes on and in theory at least can kind of balance out those other two guys getting worse from three. But, yeah. So. Yeah. Um, final thoughts. I don't understand the hype around Donovan Mitchell. Um, <clears throat> he's been a good defender, but people say, wow, you know, he scored, you know, 20 points now and 24 points here. And I saw a guy on Reddit be like, man, he's going to win 
you know, six men of the year and rookie of the year. It's like, dude, the guy's making like 33% of his shots. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. He is, he is chucking shots and missing them at, 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 at incredible rates. That said, Kennard hasn't been much better, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. Um, Kennard's not shooting particularly well and he's a terrible defender. He's just, he's too raw. I think he should spend the year in the D league. Um, but, um, but yeah, the, the Mitchell hype is a little strange. Honestly, <clears throat> I wish we just lost a couple more games and, that had Malik Monk on the roster. That would be fantastic. But, um, yeah, I mean, hopefully, hopefully, I mean, if Kennard can develop now into a scorer who can, uh, who can actually make waves off the dribble, uh, that would be a huge boost to the bench. I just don't know if that's going to be this year. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. Cause I mentioned when we were talking about the heat and justice Winslow, and, you know, how there's oftentimes in the draft there'll be one player that everyone just sort of preordains as being the steal of the draft. Everyone sort of did that with Donovan Mitchell this year. And, I, you know, it's very early. He may well end up being an awesome player. but And also, it should be noted that, you know, the fact that he's chucking so many shots is not just him deciding to do that. Like, they, the Jazz have no offensive creation. So he's in a bit of a tough spot there. But I will say this. Right now, I'm not thinking that the Pistons totally blew it like a lot of people seem to think they did um obviously like you said canard has not been great either uh but i just I, I i've watched a couple of jazz games this year and donovan mitchell does not look like he's anything special right now he's a great athlete he's a wing player who's a great athlete and that seems to be something that people really love in the draft um very undersized though yeah but it just I don't know that he'll ever be anything all that notable as an NBA player or not. He may well end up being awesome. I'm not going to throw my hat in that too much. But right now, I suppose there's another sort of side thing just for Pistons fans to watch. For all the people who've given the Pistons so much crap for not drafting Donovan Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell's not exactly set the world on fire so far. So, yeah, I'm with you there. So, yeah. All right. Now, if they can go back in time and draft Kyle Kuzma, I'd be satisfied with that. Yeah, yeah, that'd be that'd be great. Be able to go yeah. back in time and draft Kuz. So, yeah. Um, yep. any last notes beyond that? Nope. It's been a pleasure. All right. Thanks for having me on. Yep. Thank you for coming on, and I will see everybody next time. Stay beautiful. Go Pistons.